Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Last week I began a series on the subject of prayer and we're going to be on this series for many, many weeks. And what I did last week is I started the series out by talking about lessons we learn from Jesus at prayer. And so if you missed that, I'd, I'd encourage you to go back into our archives and listen to that because it would be helpful to you. And to get the most out of what we're going to say today, it would be helpful if you had listened to the message from last week. So lessons we learn from Jesus at prayer. Now I found nine of them. There may be more, but I found nine major lessons that we learn from Jesus at prayer. And last week I shared the four of them. And today I'm going to conclude with the, with, with the last five. And, and then next week, just so you know, I'm going to continue with this subject. We're going to start looking at the different kinds of prayer and, uh, and what the Bible has to say about each of the different kinds of prayer. So that's, that's kind of where we've been, where we're at, where we're headed in this series. But, uh, again, go back and listen to last week's session. I think it would be helpful to you, but I talked about prayer lessons we learned from Jesus. And just briefly to review, uh, prayer, first one, prayer prepares you for the unexpected difficult situations of life. Number two, prayer is required for the power of God to be present and the extraordinary to be experienced. Number three, prayer prepares you to make important decisions. And number four, prayer changes you and prepares you for things to come. And of course, last week I expounded on each of these four points. And so with that being said, let's pick up with the fifth thing that we learn from Jesus at prayer is that prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. Now, there's a lot of people don't want to talk about the devil in this hour in which we live, but the devil is real. And yes, he's a defeated foe. Jesus defeated him when, when he was raised from the dead. The Bible tells us that very clearly. But yet the devil is out there nonetheless. And the Bible says he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And the only way that you're going to be somebody whom he can't devour is if you are a person of prayer. Because prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. Now, with that being said, let's go to Luke the ninth chapter, Luke the ninth chapter. And let's look at this a little bit uh, closer. Prayer empowers you to successfully deal with the devil. The fifth a major lesson we learn from Jesus at prayer. Uh, look at Luke 9, verse 37. Now it happened on the next day when they had come down from the mountain. Now we looked at this last week. Jesus, along with Peter, James, and John, went up on the, what's called the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus was transfigured before them. And he spoke with Moses and Elijah and they talked to him about his upcoming decease, his crucifixion in Jerusalem. And again, we talked about that last week. Go back to that lesson and listen to it if you would from last week. It'll be very helpful to you. But, it, but here, Luke 9, Luke 9, verse 37, it happened on the next day when they'd come down from the mountain. They'd come down from prayer. And, and again, we see that Jesus, I mean, he had a magnificent prayer life. Again, I said this to you last week, but, but it bears repetition. We see Jesus, you know, we wonder why he had so much power in his life. Well, one of the major reasons was because he was a person of prayer. 
Yes, he was God, but he wasn't operating in this earth as God. He was operating as a man, anointed with the Holy Spirit, but he also was a person of prayer, and that prayer was so vital for, for, for the power of God, the power of the Holy Ghost to be activated in his life. And we see him again and again, you know, either going to prayer or coming from prayer, pulling aside to pray. Jesus prayed. He prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And what is prayer? It's a two-way communication between us and the Heavenly Father. It's us going before the Heavenly Father and 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 talking to him, you know, and then it's us listening to what he has to say. And it's not an audible voice that he speaks to us with, but he will speak to you down on the inside, you know. And, and like I said, a lot of times when I'm in prayer, I don't hear anything from the Lord. He doesn't speak to me a lot of times when I'm in prayer. I talk to him all right, but but now there's times I do hear that still small voice, you know, what I what I what I'm praying, but I usually don't. Usually it's when I'm out running in the evening or I'm driving a car or I'm cutting the grass or something like that. Just out of the blue, he'll he'll speak up. Not not an audible voice, but that still small voice down on the inside. And he'll he'll answer a question that I had, just speak to me. Always in line with the word of God. If it's not in line with the word of God, then it's not coming from God. But it's he'll 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 speak something to me that I've been inquiring. Uh, to him about <laughs> just he does it at the oddest of times you know but with me anyway but uh, uh but anyway prayer is just a two-way communication between us and the heavenly father and jesus he was a person of prayer you know again in his humanity he'd go before the heavenly father and he relied on the direction of the holy spirit i just can't overemphasize it to you you need to go back and listen to last week's session if you hadn't listened to that before you continue with this, because I said some rich things that came out last week that you need to hear be helpful to you really before we go on with this. I'm just telling you, but be that as it may, uh, uh, we need to be people of prayer. And and Jesus, well, he is our example and he prayed. I mean, he, he again, I can't say this enough because people overlook it. He was a person of prayer. He prayed, prayed, prayed. He was going to prayer, coming from prayer. You know, he'd go to prayer, the miracles had happened. He'd go back to prayer. Remember the Bible said last week, you know, that when everybody else was going to their own house, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. What was he going there to do? He was going there to pray. Why did he have such power? Yes, he was anointed with the Holy Ghost, but it was that prayer that activated, that kept that power flowing. Jesus was a person of prayer, and you and I ought to be people of prayer too. And if we want to have any success in dealing with the devil and be someone whom the devil can't devour, we need to be people of prayer. So uh, Luke 9, verse 37, Now it happened on the next day that when they'd come down from the mountain from prayer, that a great multitude met him. Suddenly a man from the multitude cried out saying, Teacher, I implore you, look on my son for he is my only child and behold his spirit. Now this is a demon spirit, seizes him and suddenly cries out. It, it, it convulses him so that he foams at the mouth so that spirit would seize him and the boy would cry out and that spirit through him would cry out and it con would cause him to convulse so that he foams at the mouth. And it departs from him with great difficulty, bruising him. So I implored your disciples to cast it out, to cast that demon spirit out. But they could not. Now, 
what are we learning here? We're learning that prayer empowers us to successfully deal with the devil. And now here we have, oh, this is one of the saddest things in the Bible. One of the saddest things I've ever seen is when the world comes to the church and to believers looking for the power of God and they can't find it. Isn't that sad? And that's what happened here. This man brought his child to Jesus' disciples to cast this demon out of him. And they couldn't help him. They couldn't get the demon out. They couldn't do it. Isn't that sad? Again, it is so sad when the world comes to believers, to the church, to believers, looking for help, looking for the power of God, looking for the power of God. And the power of God can't be found there and they can't get help. Isn't that sad? That is so very sad. One of the saddest things in the Bible right here that that I see because this guy brought his child to the disciples and they couldn't help him. And this kid is in, 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 in bad shape. He's demon possessed. And so Jesus comes down from the mountain. He comes from prayer. This man encounters him and says, I brought my kid, my boy to your disciples. They couldn't help him. And Jesus, if you read on there, (coughs) excuse me, if you read on there, Jesus cast that demon out of that boy. All right. Now, Jesus, again, I want to emphasize he'd come. He'd just come from prayer. See, if you want to have the power of God in your life, you're going to have to be a person of prayer. And he came for Jesus had just come from prayer. And he casts his demon out. <coughs> now, I want you to go, that was Luke 9. I want you to go to Matthew 17. And I want to pick up with Matthew's account of this same story. And he says in verse 19, Matthew 17, verse 19. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, Why could we not cast, cast him out or cast that, that demon out? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, well, because of your unbelief. And then he goes on in verse 21 and says, however, this kind or this actually studied out, you'll see (coughs) this species of demon. You know, there's different kinds of demons. There really are. A lot of people don't, don't even believe in demons. A lot of Christians don't even believe in them. But they're out there. And there's different kinds of them too, by the way. And I don't have time to teach on that right now. Maybe sometime I will, but there are different kinds of them. But thank God in the name of Jesus, we've got authority over all of them. But however, this kind, this kind or this species of demon does not go out except by prayer. (coughs) Excuse me. Except by prayer, underline that, except by prayer and fasting. Now, uh, this verse 21, you need to realize that some Bible versions contain it and some do not. And it goes back to studying the manuscripts and the most original and some that, you know, as the manuscripts were were copied over time. And I'm not going to get into all that, but some, you know, some Bible versions have this verse. Some just leave it out altogether. They'll put an asterisk there and they'll say, you know, that it was not in the original manuscripts. And and then some will put in everything except the fasting part. <clears throat> but, you know, and some scholars argue it ought to be included in the Bible and some argue that it shouldn't be. It, 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 but you say, well, Pastor Terry, what do you think? Well, I tell you what, 
from everything that I have been able to, to, to study in the Word of God and from my personal experience and what I've observed over four decades, uh, I, I'll tell you what, there are species of demons that will not come out of people unless a believer, unless a believer is a consecrated, dedicated Christian living a holy life before God and a person of prayer. So, I, I, you know, as to whether verse 21 ought to be in your version of the Bible, whatever version you have, I usually use King James, New King James, and I'll look in the Amplified Classic, the NIV, the New Living Translation. There's lots of good ones. But um, I, th- I think the... Uh, I think the New Living Translation doesn't include this. I, I, the Amplified Classic, I think, puts it in italics. But be that as it may, some, the reason I'm spending time with it is because if you're looking at your Bible and you're wondering where verse 21 is, it's because some scholars you know, say it ought to be in there. Some equally as wise say it shouldn't. But my, and some argue that the fasting should be in there or not. But my experience has taught me, so you do with, with it whatever you want. You study into it for yourself. But here's the thing. My experience has taught me, and what else I've studied about the Bible, more importantly, is that there are species of demons that, unless a believer is leading a consecrated, dedicated, holy life of prayer before God, you'll have no success in being able to cast a demon out of, out of anybody. Absolutely. Now, it's not our holy life that gets a demon to leave. It's the name of Jesus that they're afraid of. But unless the person using the name of Jesus is a consecrated, dedicated Christian that's living holy before God and is a person of prayer. And, and of course, the fasting part, if you're someone who fasts, that indicates dedication and consecration before God. Now, they see the devil and demons are afraid of those kind of Christians. Christians that are loose. What is a Christian? A Christian is somebody that really believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but, but the devil and demons aren't afraid of most Christians. You know why that is? Because most Christians, at least that I've dealt with over the many, many, many decades, years, that, sad to say, don't live holy, dedicated, consecrated lives and are not people of prayer. And so the devil and demons aren't, uh, aren't afraid of them. And those Christians get devoured by the devil again and again and, and demons, you know. But I tell you what, if you're a whole, if you're, if you're born again, you know Jesus as your Savior, and you're living holy, dedicated, consecrated, a person of prayer, and so forth, I tell you what, you use the name of Jesus, I tell you what, the devil's afraid of that name coming out of your mouth. But if you're a loose, lackadaisical Christian that you play with the world and you got one foot in the world and one foot in the church, the devil's not afraid of you and you could use the name of Jesus on the devil. And yeah, the devil's afraid of the name of Jesus, but the devil's not afraid when, what is coming out of your mouth because Jesus said it himself because the disciples said, why couldn't we cast that demon out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief. And then he said, however, this kind or this species of demon, this kind of demon will not come out except, uh, uh, except through if the person trying to cast it out or casting it out is a prayer of dedication, consecration, a person of prayer, person of fasting and so forth. See, you have to be a, a dedicated, consecrated Christian, one who prays, 
And then the devil is scared of you. And you use the name of Jesus on the devil, that devil will flee. Absolutely. When you resist him. Absolutely. The Bible says in the book of James, submit yourselves therefore to God. What does that word submit means? It means you're living dedicated and consecrated before God. And you submit yourself to God. Then when you resist or rebuke the devil, the Bible says he'll flee and run off uh, from you as one in stark raving terror. Absolutely. Listen, I want to say this. The devil's not afraid of Christians who are living loose, lackadaisical lives with one foot in the world and one foot in the church. Absolutely not. But when you live a submitted life before God, you're a person of prayer and dedication and consecration. You use the name of Jesus and rebuke the devil. He will run off and you'll be able to cast him out. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Can you say amen to that? I can. Amen. Amen. So, Prayer empowers us to be able to successfully deal with the devil. And evidently, what can we conclude? These disciples who could not cast this demon out of this boy, we can conclude that they didn't have much, if any, of a prayer life. Because Jesus said this kind does not go out God except by prayer and fasting. So that would imply that they didn't have much of a prayer life. Did you know they were walking with Jesus? They were with him every day but they didn't have much of a prayer life. You know, I tell you, I watch this among ministers and I've even fallen into this category myself. I, you can get so busy, you know, doing the work of the ministry and you're going to church every day. And if you're a pastor, particularly, you're going to church every day and you're doing the work of the ministry and you can be in service to the Lord, just like these, these disciples, now Peter, James and John, they were up on the mountain with Jesus. But these other disciples, I guess there were these other nine they, they were in service in, in, in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, but they didn't have a prayer life. So it's possible to be in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ and not have a prayer life. And there's been times in my service to the Lord over the years of the last 30 some odd years where there's times I, 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 I didn't pray as I should. And, uh, and, and I, could, I could always tell it. It might not catch up with me right away, but at a certain point that anointing on my teaching and preaching and whatnot begin, begin to wane and you get back, get back in the prayer closet, get back to it, you know, and the anointing, thank God, increase back up and everything would be fine. But, but you just need to realize if you're going to have any success in, in resisting the devil and seeing him flee, you're going to have to be a person that dedicates themselves to the Lord, to have a prayer life. Okay. Now that's the fifth lesson we learned from Jesus. Jesus had a prayer life and he, he cast that devil out and that devil hit the road. Glory to God. Well, that's because he was God. No, he didn't operate as God. Though he was God, he operated as a man anointed with the Holy Ghost and he was a person of prayer and the devil was afraid of Jesus. Glory to God. And he'll be afraid of you too when you use the name of Jesus if you live a holy and consecrated, dedicated life before God and be a person of prayer. All right, enough on that. Let's look at the sixth one. Prayer produces compassion. Look at Mark, the first chapter, verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen, now this never stops. This is, we need to get this. Mark 1, 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place and there he prayed. It just over and over again. And there he prayed. He got up early. A long while before daylight went out and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed, talking to the heavenly father, communing with the Holy Ghost. And Simon, you know, Peter and those who were with him searched for him. 
And when they found him, they said to him, everyone's looking for you. But he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I've come forth. And he was preaching in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and casting out demons. Well, there's that power. Okay, if you want to have the power of God in your life, if you want to have success in dealing with the devil and demons, you need to be a person of prayer. Verse 39, he was preaching there and so forth, casting out demons. Verse 40, then a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion. See, if you want to have compassion in your life, you need to be a person of prayer because prayer will produce compassion. Absolutely. If you're lacking compassion in your life, check up and see, are you a person of prayer? See, if you're a person of prayer, you're going to be spending time with the Heavenly Father and the Heavenly Father is filled with compassion. Do you know you become like those you hang around? (coughs) So you hang around God. I started running with God when I was just a kid and I haven't found anybody better to run with. (laughs) You become like him. You spend time around him. You become like him. And uh, he's full of compassion. You spend time around him. That compassion will get off on you. And you spend time around him when you're praying, when you're talking to him, when you're listening to him, see? And, and so Jesus moved with compassion, put out his hand, touched him and said, I'm willing to be cleansed. And see, there was the power of God. And as soon as he had spoken, as soon as he spoken, the leprosy, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. See, prayer produces power, but it also produces compassion. Now, so we could talk about that at great length, but I think that's enough said. Look at the, the seventh lesson we learn, if you're taking notes from Jesus' prayer life, is when bad news comes, pray. When bad news comes, pray. Unfortunately, we all receive bad news from time to time. But when it comes, don't panic, don't lose heart, don't throw in the towel and quit, pray. Look at this. Matthew 14, verse 10. So he, this is talking about Herod, sent and had John, this is talking about John the Baptist, had sent and had John beheaded in prison. And his head was brought on a platter and given to that girl, I guess that was Salome, and she brought it to her mother, Herodias. Those were two, uh, those were a, a, a wicked duo, I must say. Herodias and Salome. Anyway, I won't get into that. Then his disciples came and took away the body of John and buried it and went and told Jesus. Now, bad news came to Jesus that that John the Baptist, not only his cousin, but his forerunner. You know, John was the forerunner of Jesus, you know, and and when Jesus heard it, now this bad news came. Now, Jesus had had the example prayer life Now, what did he do? He's our example. When he heard the bad news, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. Now, it doesn't say specifically here that he went and prayed, but we see a pattern in Jesus's life that whenever he got off by himself, he was praying to his heavenly father, communing with the Holy Spirit. So he got by himself. Bad news came. He pulled away, got by himself, and he prayed. He communed with the Heavenly Father, with the Holy Ghost, all right? So what do you do when bad news comes? You pray. Spend time with God. 
And when Jesus, so that's what he did, he prayed. But when the multitudes heard it and followed him on foot uh, from the cities, and when Jesus uh, went out, he saw a great multitude, and he was moved with compassion for them. See, we just said in the last point that prayer produces compassion. So I suppose that really uh, helps to prove that he didn't just get alone by himself. He got alone after he got that bad news on John the Baptist that John had been beheaded, he got alone by himself. I conclude he was praying. And then and I think we, it bears itself out because when he sees the multitude, he's moved with compassion. So when bad news comes, pray. And prayer will also, as we said, produce compassion. He was moved with compassion for them. So uh, when bad news comes, what is the prayer life of Jesus and what does Jesus teach us to go pray? Now, two more points that we learn from the Lord's prayer life. Look at, look at Luke 22. In prayer is where we surrender to God's will and resist the temptation to sin. Oh, this is a, this is a big one here. Lessons from Jesus' prayer life. Number eight, on a list of nine, number eight. And these are in no order. These nine that I've given you, four last week and five today, they're in no particular order. Boy, this is a, they're all good. This is really one we need to listen to here. In prayer is where we surrender to God's will and resist the temptation to sin. You know, I'll just say this, and I'll probably say it again in a few moments. You don't resist the temptation to sin when sin is knocking at your door. When you're being tempted, if you wait until you're being tempted to resist, you're going to lose. You're too late. You're too late. No, you resist the temptation to sin in the prayer in the prayer closet before that sin ever even presents itself to you. Absolutely, absolutely. And see, if you're not a person of prayer, you know when we all get tempted. The devil, he's a roaring lion. He goes about seeking those whom he may devour. He's a tempter. The Bible calls, calls him a tempter. And he'll go out and he tempts Christians all the time. He tempts pastors, preachers, you know, absolutely. To get into all kinds of, of sin, absolutely. But I found this. If you'll be a person of prayer, uh, you'll have great success in resisting the temptation because you really, you resist it in the prayer closet before it ever shows up at your at your front door. But if you don't spend that time in prayer, you're going to be weak. And when I tell you, spiritually, and when when the temptation approaches you, if you're not, if you're not all prayed up, you know, we put it that way, you're going to find yourself uh, giving in to the the temptations of the devil far more easily than than if you were a person of prayer. It's in prayer where we surrender to God's will and resist the temptation to sin. Look at Luke 22 verse 39. Luke 22 verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. And what do you think he was doing on the Mount of Olives? He was praying. And his disciples also followed him. And uh, when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. Now, there's two ways of thinking about this statement. And I think both are valid. One is that 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 we're asking God. Remember the Lord's prayer where he, he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So we, we would, we could pray that. So one thing this could mean is that we're, we're, we're essentially saying, Lord, you know, God, don't lead us, you know, lead us not into temptation. I could teach a whole message on that. 
Or, or another thing that I think we ought to think about here is if you're praying, you won't be in a position to be tempted by the devil because you'll be praying. I, I think, you know, if we look back, if I look back at my life, the times when the devil tempted me the most was when when my prayer life was was not as it should be. And just being as honest and transparent with you as I can, I haven't always been perfect in this. There's times I've sloughed off, slacked off. Absolutely, I remember the the first time that I ever ministered to the sick. I was uh, I was probably about twenty years old, and the pastor uh, he he called me up. To, I was in the service there on a, it was either a Sunday night or a Wednesday. I think it was a Wednesday night. And I had spent that whole day. I knew in my heart I should have been praying and seeking the Lord. And I didn't. I was off goofing off. I don't know what I was doing, hitting golf balls or something. And there's nothing wrong with hitting golf balls. But when you're supposed to be praying, you ought to be praying. I wasn't praying. I was hitting golf balls or watching. I think I was, I hit golf balls that day and watched television or saying there's nothing wrong with all these other things and, you know, you know, like watching a good TV show or something, but I should have been praying and I was sloughing off. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. I went to that service because he, see, I tell you this, the pastor told me prior, he said, now, he said, now, Terry, you always be ready. He said, uh, because in any of these services, I could call on you at any time to, to minister. So you be ready. Now I was like 20, 20 years old, 21 years old at the time. You think about that. But it was a great honor because he, he had sensed that there was a call of God on my life. And he said, now you be ready. He said, you be ready in any of these services. He said, I could call on you at any time. I'm all right. It's just the anointing of God. It, sometimes I start crying and people think there's something wrong with me. It's just sensing the anointing of the Spirit of God. But he said, you be ready. He said, I could call you up at any time to minister. And uh, and so that day I, I watched television, hit golf balls. And that night he called me up to minister to the sick. And I stood there and there was a line of people and they needed they needed the power of God. And I was I, I, I had spent the day sloughing off, goofing off. And I wasn't prepared. I wasn't prepared to minister to him. And I and I, I went down the line, prayed prayed for him and it, it would have been better off if I had, I mean, nothing, there was no, the power. I, I, I'm just telling you what happened to me. I was, but I, tell, I learned a lesson that day. I learned a lesson that day, 20 years old. I learned a lesson and, and I never let it happen to me again. I never let it happen again. I never, from that day to this, I never went into the pulpit unprepared. You know, I mean, there's times that I, that I, you know, slough off in my life here and there. But once I got in the ministry now, this, once I actually got in the ministry and we started Summit uh, Christian Church, I can say that I hadn't been perfect, but I but I never let that happen to me again. I always did my best to stay, you know, in prayer and before God before I'd go and minister as best I could. Uh, but I tell you what, we need to be we need to be people of prayer because I've noticed in my life when times when I when I uh, hadn't hadn't prayed as I should. Uh, that's when the, that's when the devil would would come and, and and have more success against me. So prayer prepares us to surrender to the will of God and prepares us to resist to resist temptation. And so if we're if we're if we're praying and seeking the Lord as we should, then then the devil won't. I mean, because we're because we're occupied with prayer, he won't be able to to, to tempt us. But if we're not praying as we should, then then we're we're sloughing off. Then there's that void in our life, and and then the devil, you know, 
he'll be able to hit us with temptation more so than if we're over there in the prayer closet. So much I could say about it. But he said, pray. Jesus said, pray that you may not enter into temptation. So if we're praying, then we're occupied with that. And we won't be as apt to, he won't be as, uh, we, won't, we won't be available for him to, to tempt us. So much we could say about it, whichever view, I think both are good. Look at verse 41. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And, and now this is, this is, uh, prior to him, uh, being arrested, Jesus being arrested. And he's, he's there with his disciples, you know, Peter, James, and John. And he, they pulled away from the others and, and they were there. And then he pulled away from them yet, yet about what a stone's cast or whatever it was. And he knelt down and prayed. This is Luke 22, verse 42, saying, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Now, what does prayer do? It prepares, it, 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 help, it helps us to surrender to God's will. And you see that with Jesus here. He's surrendering himself to the will of the Heavenly Father. And where is he doing that? He's doing it in prayer. He's doing it in prayer. Prayer is where we surrender to God's will. And where is Jesus surrendering to the will of the Heavenly Father in prayer? He says, not my will be done, but thine. Amen. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. <clears throat> then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He was under great stress. I tell you what, he, 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 was, he was fighting to keep his will in line with the will of the Father. That's what he was doing. He was keeping his will in line with the will of the Father. He was facing the cross. He was facing bearing the sins of mankind. He was facing being cut off from God, for th- from the Father for three days and three nights, being cut off from the Holy Ghost for three days and three nights. And, and, and he was sweating, as it were, under the stress of that great drops of blood. He was striving to keep his will in line with the will of, of the Father. And he did it. Where did he do it at? He did it at the point of prayer, at the hour of prayer. And great drops of blood falling down to the ground from his sweat. He rose up from prayer, verse 45, and came to his disciples and he found them sleeping from sorrow. See, they were supposed to be praying as well, but they were sleeping. They were sleeping. They were supposed to be praying as well, but he found them sleeping from sorrow. And he said to them, why do you sleep? He says it again, rise and pray, lest you enter in to temptation. And I've already commented on that. But this, again, I want to say this great drops of blood that was falling from, from his, from, from him in his sweat. Again, he was resisting sin. Actually, Hebrews 12 verse 4, Hebrews 12 verse 4 says, you have not yet resisted to bloodshed striving against sin. And what that verse is making reference to, it's making reference to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when, when he was, when he was striving to keep his will in line with the will of the Heavenly Father. So much so that he sweat, as it were, drops of blood under the stress of that. But he kept his will in line with the will of the Father. And where did he do it again? He did it at the point of prayer. So that's where you surrender your will to the will of the Father is in prayer. Now, look here and he, I want you to, I want you actually to look at Hebrews, the second chapter. Uh, cause a lot of people don't know this and, and, 
And, you know, we've been talking about prayer being a person of prayer in the, in, in, in the, in, in the time of prayers where you resist temp- the temptation to sin. Let me give you a little more on that right before we conclude this message. Look at Hebrews 2 verse 17. <clears throat> you need to realize this and most Christians don't. They should It'd be very helpful. And really we see here why so many Christians fall into temptation and, and commit sin is because they don't realize Jesus is there to aid us in resisting temptation. Now watch this, Hebrews 12, uh, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2 verse 17. Therefore, in all things he had, Jesus had to be made like his brethren. He had to, he had to become a human being that he might be merciful, be a, a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. We need to realize that, that Jesus is there at the right hand. He's seated right now at the, at the, he's seated right now at the right hand of the Heavenly Father and he's there to aid us when we're tempted, to help us when we're tempted. He's there to help us resist sin. Now, that's one of the things he does in his present day ministry and a lot of people, a lot of Christians aren't aware of that. In that verse 18, for that he himself has suffered, He's been tempted, and uh, the, the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, and uh, he's sitting there, and he's able to aid us when we're tempted. Now, you need to realize that about the ministry of Jesus. He's there at the right hand of the Father, and he's there available to us to help us resist temptation. Now look at Hebrews 4 verse 15. Look at Hebrews 4 verse 15. For we do not have a high priest. Now Jesus is our great high priest. It says we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. See, we need to realize that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and he can sympathize with our weaknesses. But he was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. There's nothing that you've been tempted in that Jesus wasn't tempted in. He was tempted, see, in his humanity. Again, he was God in his ministry here on the earth, but he didn't operate as God. He operated as a man. You see, the Bible says that, 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 that God can't even be tempted with sin, but Jesus was. Why? Because he was operating, though he was God, he was operating as a man. And he was tempted in all points like as you and I are, yet he never, never sinned. And he can sympathize with our weaknesses when we are tempted. And he's there and he's able to aid us when we are tempted. For we don't have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. So he can sympathize with anything you're being tempted with. He can sympathize with it. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Now, now, if you get the context of this verse, see, most people don't get the context of this verse. The context of this verse is actually in, in, in being tempted with sin. And let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When we're being tempted, that's certainly a time of need. And we need help from the Heavenly Father to resist sin. And so when we're being tempted, and I I like to say it like this, and I already said it, I'll say it again. We go to that throne of grace. 
Go to God before you sin. Go there and, and, and stand before God and, and, and seek his face and obtain help from the Lord Jesus Christ who's already been tempted in all points that you could ever be tempted in. He's been successful in overcoming temptation and he's there to aid uh, aid you and help you. So, and if you'll do that in prayer, I tell you what, when the temptation does come your way or you're being hit with it, you'll be able to resist it just the way Jesus did. Can you say amen to that? And and notice, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace, help in time of need. And, 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 and I want to say this, when you're being tempted, because we're all going to be tempted, whether we're people of prayer or not, we're going to be tempted. But even people of prayer get tempted. Absolutely, we all get hit with it. See, the people that don't pray are the ones that are more easy to give in to the temptation. People that do pray, I'll put it this way, have a greater success rate at resisting temptation because we're taking advantage of that, that ministry that Jesus has to, to, to aid us and help us resist temptation. And, and so we're all tempted, but again, the people that don't pray, they, they have a bad success rate. They fall into temptation and give in to sin far more, more so than people who are people of prayer. You understand that. You need to understand that. But, but here's the thing. Because every time I've run to Jesus and I said, Lord, I'm being tempted in this area. I feel like I'm going to be tempted in a certain area, you know, and these sorts of things. And I talk to him about it. And uh, he'll, you know, you know, what, what, what he does is, it is he's never one time directed me to just say no to sin. Now, listen carefully. If all you ever do is say no to sin, no, N-O, N-O, that's all you ever do, you're going to find yourself given into temptation again and again. How did Jesus overcome sin? How did he do it? He didn't overcome it by just saying no. He overcame sin and, and, and giving into it by quoting the word of God. Remember when he was being tempted in the wilderness and the devil came to him and hit him in three major areas? Jesus didn't just say no. He said, it is written. I'm convinced that a lot of Christians, that they, they, they give in to sin again and again because they're trying really to do it just with willpower and just say no, and they find themselves sinning and giving into the temptation. No, 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 no. What you do is don't just say no. You go to the, you go to Jesus. I go to him. Lord, I'm being tempted in this area. What do I do? And he'll direct me to, uh, work to the, to the scripture. And then that's how you resist the devil. You come in, in temptation. You come at him. It is written. It is written. It is written. And see, if you don't know the word of God, you're going to be at a great disadvantage and the devil will destroy you like a roaring lion. You understand that? So you resist the temptation. By knowing the word of God and using the word of God on the devil, just like Jesus did in the wilderness when he was being tempted. So anyway, what do we learn from Jesus and his prayer life? We learn that we surrender to God's will in, in prayer. And we also learn that we resist temptation in, in, in the prayer closet as we go before the throne of grace and, and we obtain grace and help from Jesus in his great high priestly ministry for he was tempted in all points like as we are and we go to him and we talk I, you know I, you know we can go to Jesus after we sin and confess our sins and if we'll repent he's faithful and just to forgive us I tell you what it's a better deal to run to him ahead of time and say Lord I'm being tempted in this area I'm being tempted to to, to cheat or I'm being, I'm being tempted to steal or I'm being tempted to lie or I'm being tempted with this woman over here I'm being tempted with this man over here or I'm being tempted tempted with this or what hey it's a lot better deal to go to him before you sin than to have to go to him afterward 
Just go to him. He's been tempted in every point, just like you have been. And you go to him, talk to him about it, and then and then know the word of God. And I believe he'll direct you to the word of God. And then you hit the devil, not just by saying no. No, you hit him with the word of God. It is written just like Jesus did. And I tell you what, you'll, you'll find yourself not giving in to sin. And that's a good thing. So, But it all has to do with being a person of prayer and spending time with the Heavenly Father. I could preach a whole hour, two, three hours on that one subject. Let's conclude with this. The ninth lesson we learned from Jesus, very simple and short one. Prayer prepares us to walk in the miraculous on top of the turbulent situations of life. How would you like to be prepared and able to always walk on top of the turbulent situations of life? I would. Well, how do you do it? In prayer. Look at Matthew 14, verse 23. Matthew 14, verse 23. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself. There it is again. To pray. Wow. <laughs> I mean, look at that. He, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. He does this again and again and again. You wonder why he had, he had so much power and why he never gave in to sin and all of that, why he had so much compassion and so forth. It's because he was a person of prayer. He's our example. He's not only our Lord, but our example. So he went up there by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea because he told his disciples to get in the ship, you know, and go to the other side. And they're out there and there's a storm going on, all that. The boat was in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves. For the wind was contrary in the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went, on, went to them walking on the sea. Glory to God. See, he, he was walking on the sea. Now that's power. I mean, that's power in manifestation. Now, why... Why could he do that? I'm convinced it's because he didn't come from watching television. They didn't have TV in that day. I understand that. But you get what I'm trying to say. He wasn't sloughing off. He wasn't, he wasn't off sloughing off. He was in prayer. He wasn't up there on the mountain taking a nap. He wasn't like the disciples taking a nap. He, he was a person of prayer and he and he came from prayer glory to god and he came out there walking on the sea you see prayer prepares us to walk in the miraculous on top of the turbulent situations of life he was walking on top of those turbulent waves on top of that turbulent sea see prayer i'll say it again prepares us to walk in the miraculous that was certainly miraculous walking on the water prayer prepares us to walk in the miraculous on top of the turbulent situations of life glory to god and then not only that but then he says peace be still glory to god and i mean everything went just calm and quiet why is that because he came from prayer and prayer produces power glory to god i got myself all stirred up with the word of god well, I tell you what, it pays to be a person of prayer. Nine lessons we learn from the Lord Jesus Christ as to why we ought to be people of prayer. So I'll pick up with this next week. We'll look at the, start looking at the different kinds of prayer and the rules that govern each one. I think it'll be a great blessing and helpful to everyone. So 
If you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, the Bible says there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven when you die is to repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So I want to invite you to do that right now. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. So call on him right now. Invite it just like you'd invite somebody into your house. Invite Jesus into your heart. And he'll come in there, you'll get born again, you'll miss hell one day, you'll make heaven when you die, and he'll make your life worth living in the meantime. So, be a person of prayer, and I'll see you next week, and we'll pick up with with this subject then. God bless you. Bye-bye.